Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this, turn up the volume, and let's go. Today, I want to talk to you about the faith that got us here. We're crossing over. This is the story of our church crossing over. The story of the children of Israel crossing over Jordan is the basis for it. And I want to talk about the faith that got us here. Faith is not attitude, but it feels like attitude sometimes. We want to have the faith in God and his goodness and the hope and the assurance that is in Christ Jesus that we swagger and not stagger. Swagger and not stagger. Say swagger. Put a little on it when you say swagger, not stagger. I want to talk about genuine faith this weekend, and I want to tie a, a secondary figure to the story of Joshua, a man named Caleb. Every Joshua needs a Caleb. Joshua and Caleb had faith when all the children of Israel had doubt. Joshua and Caleb had a swagger about God's promises, and they didn't stagger at God's promises. What's interesting about Caleb is he was born as a slave in Goshen, Egypt. And he carried with him all the memories of the 40 years in the wilderness, of being under the oppressive uh, whip of Pharaoh's uh, regime. He remembers the crossing of the Red Sea. And the Lord gave several pictures in Scripture of the faith of Caleb. And we're going to use that to encourage us today. Numbers 13 and 30, the Bible says this. When the people said, the challenge is too big, the adversaries are too great. It's too hard, too difficult. What's the use? Numbers 13 and 30 says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. And Caleb said, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. This is a long time ago. He's talking to Moses. This is well before they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. But even back then, Caleb had swagger when it came to the presence of God, and he did not stagger at the presence or the promises of God. And so it goes on in verse 31, 32. At the end of verse 32, the Bible says, the people were so scared, they said, all the, the people we saw there were huge. And in verse 33, the Bible says, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. These are people who had just experienced the amazing power of God and they couldn't get it in their head that God's promises were worthy to be trusted in, right? And so another section of scripture, you see Caleb coming center stage. Numbers 14 and 4, it said, this is when the, there's an insurrection with the children of Israel against Moses. It says, they plotted among themselves. Let's, let's choose a new leader. Let's go back to Egypt and become slaves again. 
Then Moses and Aaron were so overcome by these crazy people that wanted to be slaves, wanted to go back to Egypt. It says they fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. And then verse six says, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, the son of Dun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were, they tore their clothing. They said to the, all the people of Israel, this is where the swagger comes in. The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. I want to just tell our church where God is leading us, although there will be battles, although there will be struggles, although there will be hills and valleys, where God is taking us is a wonderful land. The Lord God we serve does wonderful things. As we trust him, we learn of his goodness. As we trust him, we learn of his help. As we trust him, we learn that he doesn't fail his people. Can I have an amen today? He doesn't fail his people. And so, verse 8, if the Lord is pleased with us, and this is Caleb talking, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us, and it's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. And then he says, hey, don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey. we got to pick them off. That's all we got to do, pick them off. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. This is two people, two voices, and thousands of dissenting voices amongst the children of Israel. And Caleb was the one. Caleb's faith is a great depiction of the faith that crosses over. The Lord allowed Joshua and Caleb, the only two people that were there at the time, to cross over the Jordan when it came time to inherit the promises of God. And the difference between Joshua and Caleb and the rest of the Israelites was that they had, Joshua and Caleb, had a big God who was good. And it's very important that we as the church have a big God and are convinced of his goodness. Somebody say amen today. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so the Bible shows us through the father of faith, Abraham, this concept of swagger versus stagger. It says in Romans 4.20, to all my pot-smoking friends, pay attention. He, meaning Abraham, staggered not. Say, staggered not. He was like, no, I don't, no, I'm not going to stagger at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. We need to be the kind of church and the kind of people who don't back down from the promises of God, from the goodness of God, from the preferred future that God has for his people. Abraham never wavered. Abraham never staggered at the promises of God. And there's always moments in our lives where we're either, we're either gonna stagger or we're gonna find our swagger when it comes to the goodness of God. And when, someone's, when someone is staggering, it's because they've become off balance or they've, become impaired, or they're injured because of some type of weakness. It is not normal to stagger. When you're staggering, it usually means there's a problem. Now, swagger, you can call it strutting. Some of you OGs just call it walking, and I understand. I've heard it called many things, including a pimp limp. Come on, somebody, help pastor today. Uh, whatever you call it, it's a sign of extreme confidence. You know, you walk like one leg is shorter than the other. Like, 
And I'm not good at it. I've just, but that is swagger. Write that down. Use that later. It'll help you, sir. But I want to help you find your approach to faith that looks like swagger and not stagger, right? And and one of the things that we have to deal with is who we really are. We got to be honest about where we're at. And the more honest we are, the more self-aware we are, the more God can pour his goodness into us. Self-awareness many times looks like repentance. Self-awareness looks like repentance, like, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I've messed up yet again, but here I am. I'm not leaving. I'm not stopping believing in you. I just need some help right now, and I need some forgiveness because here's what I know about God. God can help who we really are, but God can never help who we pretend to be. And so that's why small groups are so important because it gives you the time, the space, and the comfort to take off your mask and say, I'm kind of struggling here. What do you think? And someone can pray for you and care for you and help you. Or you can do that for somebody else. You can say, yeah, this was a part of my life and God showed me this and now I'm helping you. Like that, that's the beauty of what small groups provide. I just want to help you find your swagger when it comes to your faith in in, in a season of time where there's a lot of transition and change and there's so much in the wind in the earth today. We got to deal with who we really are. And, uh, The Bible says this in Proverbs 23 and 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And we say that often, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But here's another part of the motive I want you to see. It goes on to say, eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. This verse is about a person who's pretending to be generous by providing a great meal, but the person isn't really generous. Like it's, it's, it's a falsehood, putting falsehood forward. We can never be anything other than who God has really created us to be. You gotta be your genuine self, right? And so we can pretend, we can try to be something else, we can fake it until we make it. And in all of us, there is a gap between our swagger of faith and staggering faith. It's a gap of opportunity. It's a gap of opportunity. There's, there's a gap between who we are and what God's calling us to be. There's a gap between where we're at and where God wants to lead us to. There's a gap between what we, what we have now and what God would like to give us for his glory. Like there's a gap there. And in all of us, there's, there's this gap. And it usually has a lot to do with us just getting very, very honest and very, very devoted to God. Because uh, when we approach God with falsehood, we limit his work in our life. Genuine faith, genuine trust, genuine repentance before God closes the gap between who I am and who God says I am. It's hard to receive God's goodness until you're honest with him. It's hard to receive God's goodness until you believe his word and say to yourself or in your heart, Lord, I trust you. I give you my life. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for you. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say where you want me to say. I'll be what you need me to be. I am not living my life for me. I'm living it for you. And that is the bedrock commitment of every person who gives their life to Christ and has faith in him. Can somebody say amen? And so that genuine faith I'm describing is is where we'll never go beyond. We can't go beyond our genuine faith. And so we at the Courageous Church practice repentance 
We are not the kind of people that think, well, I, I repented. You know, I repented. The last time I needed to repent was probably eight years ago. I've been doing great since then. You are. You need to repent and be honest with God and, and, and pray the kind of prayers that say, search me, Lord. The kind of prayers that say, see if there's any way of unbelief in me. See if there's anything in my heart that would not glorify you. Lord, I want to be real and honest and I want to be, I want to be pure before you, God. The prayers of devotion bring us to a place of repentance where we can become really honest with God. It's very important because the preaching of repentance has been lost on so many. And so we need to repent consistently, not because you murdered somebody, but because you just have a heart that's divided often and need the Holy Spirit to lead you. Somebody say amen. All right. And so faith now, faith can be emotional, but faith is not an emotion. Faith is not based on how I feel. Faith is not based on an emotion. Like faith in Christ and faith in God is different than hype. It's, it's, it's a deep, it's a deep part of your soul that's committed to him. And sometimes people try, and the church has gotten a bad name from people trying to hype themselves up for things and find out that it was, it was just that emotion. But, but here's what I want you to see about Caleb and his genuine faith to believe God. Here's what it looks like. This is Joshua 14 and 7. This is after they crossed over Jordan. So everything I read to you before was before they crossed over. This is a, a scripture after they crossed over into the promised land, Joshua 14, 7. This is Caleb talking. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan, which is the promised land, of which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord your God. Faith looks like putting a yes on the table before God and not taking it back. Verse 10, now you can see the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Not good at math, but this is an 85-year-old man now. 40, 45 years, 40 plus 45, 85. If I'm wrong, it's likely. Even, it says going on, 85 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in this wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. And he said, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country. 85 years old. More moles than he's ever had. Less teeth than he's ever had. Less hair than he's ever had. Come on, somebody. And in his heart, there is a resounding and deeply committed yes that says it's not really based upon my condition in life. I am not too young for God to use me, and I'm not too old for God to use me. My yes is on the table, and I say to the circumstances, give me this mountain. 
faith is that kind of fired up. Am I yelling again? Faith is that kind of fired up. I've lived for the Lord for, there was a song, oh God. We sang in the church that had no music growing up. And it was the song, it just went like this. I've been working for the Lord for a long, long time and I ain't got tired yet. <laughs> and they would sing that over and over and over. 35 minutes of singing that. But that's, that's the soul. I've been, they would, they would alternate. I've been living for the Lord, working for the Lord, fighting for the Lord. They'd come up with new things, serving the Lord. Worshiping the Lord, and they just repeat, repeat, repeat. But I feel that resounding yes still in my spirit. I've got less hair than I've ever had. I've got more moles than I've ever had. I've still got all my teeth. But my yes toward God hasn't changed. Anybody feel that with me this morning? That's what faith looks like. And then it goes on to say Joshua. Uh, it says that Caleb... Caleb fought, Joshua gave him the land. And then skipping to Numbers 14, 24, it talks about this faith of Caleb, who with Joshua led the people toward the promises of God. It says this about him, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal. Say loyal. He has remained loyal to me so I will bring him into a land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. There's something about having a different attitude that says, it's not too big for me. And servanthood says, it's not too small for me. Those two yeses to God need to not be removed. It's not too big for me, and it's not too small for me. I I'm thinking of Travis Kelsey today. He's just a Midwestern tight end, not even a wide receiver, Midwestern tight end, kind of busy doing Aaron Sachs commercials. <laughs> he's got a podcast to record and practices to go to. But he said within his soul, Taylor Swift is not too famous for me. I will hook her up. Then I'm sure they're doing everything according to God's laws and precepts. But there's something in your spirit that says, not too big for me. Not too big for me. The God, I, and this is, we're not talking about Taylor Smith anymore. We were off that. But, but nothing is too big for my God. And my life is devoted to him. And so I will trust him. My yes will remain on the table. This is what I want you to know about faith. Put it on the screen. Faith is a continual yes to God. Yes. I'll say yes, Lord, yes to your will. Faith is in agreement with God and his word. And the result of this kind of faith is just faithfulness. You can't run me away. You can't run me out. You can't, you can't demean me. With all the crap that I've been through in the church, I should be an atheist today. But Jesus touched my heart a long time ago, and I still have a yes on the table before God. Somebody witness that with me today. My soul says yes to the Lord. Clap your hands to the God who still answers. And so genuine faith will calculate the cost and move forward. 
Caleb wasn't just like wild-eyed and crazy. He's like, yes, they're big. Yes, there's a lot of them. But God has a yes over us and wanting to believe God more than we fear giants. So genuine faith doesn't ignore the challenges, but it always highlights the goodness and power of God. And usually God's promises come with insurmountable problems. It's just how it is. But God's promises are there to bring us to places where we start seeing the gaps in our life, the, the parts where we're tempted to stagger and not swagger when it comes to faith. And so Israel wasn't a settled nation at that time, but God was calling them to be what they weren't yet, a people, a nation, right? So if you're believing God for upward mobility in your business, your career, the job that you have, the position, the post that you have, the business that you're having, that you're working on, if you're believing God you know, for a future and a family and a spouse and children, if you're believing for that person that God has ordained for you to marry, and then you get married and you find out they're inhabited by Beelzebub, and those kids are crazy, and the work requires more work, even God's promises come packaged with problems. And in the promised land, there were huge clusters of grapes. The Bible says in Numbers 13, 23, and they came to the valley of Eskol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. They carried it on a pole between two of them. Those are some big grapes. They also had pomegranates and fig newtons. Come on, fig newtons? I'd have joined with Joshua and Caleb and said, I, I know what that land has. But grapes represent God's promises and God's purpose that he has for our life. And then the same people that saw those grapes said this in Numbers 13.33, we even saw giants, the descendants of Anak, next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Grasshoppers, thinking of that, represent the insecurities that we feel when faced with all the realities that stand in the way of us receiving God's promises. It says in Numbers 13, 27, and they told him, we came to the land of which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. And besides, we saw all these Lakites and Hittites and all these people that we had to fight, they got focused on the struggle and the battle and they couldn't get focused on the promise. And grasshoppers just don't eat grapes. Grasshoppers don't eat grapes. God was using the struggle to form their faith. God was using the struggle to build their trust in him. But that gap, caused the grasshoppers not to eat the grapes. Listen, we're not going to miss our miracles here. We're going to believe in a big God. We're going to stay fired up through every season, not with hype or emotionalism, but exalting the goodness of God. Know that everything God has done in our church and the lives of people has been for his name to be glorified in this city. He took a church that was lost in religion, rule-keeping as a method for one's right standing before God, rules and rules and rules of which many of you would be flabbergasted if you knew, used to be a part of what God was doing here. 
He transformed us. He changed us. He brought us to his word as our guide. And then he blessed us. And the family of God at this church started to expand and double and double again by the grace of God. And then he said, by his own grace, I'm giving you a second church. And we stand in this one today. And God is blessed and God has multiplied and God has been faithful. And then God brought a miracle to us and gave us the best piece of property on Highway 65 we could get for free. They paid us $10,000 to take it. It's valued at $2.6 million. And we're building a church there. This is the church. I'm going to play it behind me. You saw it. But know that God has guided us every step of the way. And we can either see challenges as insurmountable giants, or we can know that it hasn't been about us thus far. God's been so faithful. And if he could help us be delivered from a lion and a bear, he can surely help us be delivered from a giant. These are stories that God put in the word so that when it came time to expand the gospel presence of a local church in this city, that we would not act like the, the children of Israel and say, I don't think I can. I'm not sure. Listen, if we do what we can do, if we believe in God the way that he has called us to believe in him, he will bless our limited ability with his supernatural ability and bring great victories for us. I have witnessed this in my life, in the leadership of this church, over and over again. And so I'm not calling you to faith, faith in faith. I'm calling you to faith in God, to trust in him in every way. The Bible says this in James 1 and 6. It says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The, to, to stagger or to waver is the same, the same phraseology as what we see here in the book of James, right? And so we either stagger over who we are or we learn how to swagger over what God is. Anybody want to choose to believe God today? Anybody want to choose to believe that God can do what we can't? Come on, clap your hands to him this morning. And so, in spite of anything I may lack, in spite of any sickness or lack or circumstances or feelings or a past or what they said or how I've been rejected, my choice has always been to believe in God and trust in him. This week, I really haven't even had a chance to talk to Renee about it, <clears throat> but this week I was praying over these legacy commitment cards and I know many of you have been praying over them. It was so beautiful last week as people lifted these commitment cards for a one-year pledge to build the East Campus. I saw people with it lifted before their, lifted up in their hands, tears coming down their face, just seeking God. And all I'm asking you to do is ask God what he would have you to do. I'm not, this is not times shares. This is not, I'm not trying to put solar panels on your roof and not against solar. 
But this is, this is to build the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ in this community. And I was praying, as I've always given and, and continue to give more than the tithe unto the Lord. Our family does that, and I do it first. I do it before anything else. The tithe is first. I honor God with that. I've done it for so long. I, it's automatic. It's an offering to God, and it brings about great blessings in my life that I'm not going to break down for you, but trust me. So I prayed, God, give me a strategy here so that I can make a difference. There's, I'm not sure exactly where it's going to come from or how it's going to happen, but I need a strategy from you. Now, I am not the wealthiest person in this church by far, um, but I prayed about it. And again, I haven't talked to Renee, so she may have double the number, but we're going with mine. Uh, but I'm committing $25,000 above my normal tithe into 2024 to build this. I'm not the wealthiest guy in the church. I prayed, and God gave me a strategy. I'm going to be selling all of my plasma. I know a lot of church planners that built their church on plasma. That was a joke. But I am giving, I'm not the wealthiest guy in a church. Not even close. I'm not in the top 10 givers in the church. I honor God faithfully in that. But I'm giving $25,000 in 2024 because God gave me a strategy beyond myself. And I'm asking you to pray. I've prayed. I've talked to God. I got my number. I, I, if I can do more, I'll do more. But I'm 85 like Caleb in ministry years. <laughs> and I still say in my heart, give us this mountain. Give us this mountain. And I'm doing that above my tithe. And so here's something I need to tell you. When it comes to giving, if we all just redesignate our tithe, like that, that, that's, that, can't, that can't be. We have to run the church. So we do preventative giving, not intervention giving. Everybody likes intervention giving because it requires no planning and no discipline. Somebody needs shoes, I'll buy it. Look at me, I'm a humanitarian. And that's good. But that's more like alms. We need to do what the children of Israel did when it came time to build the tabernacle of God, which is pray, consider, and make it a priority. And here's the exciting thing. I have watched, and I've always been careful to only lead us. I've just not raised money when I didn't need to raise money. But um, I have watched the lift of the Lord in this church. There's been people now who I've watched generations of families, and I've seen everything improve through faithfulness unto God and trusting Him first and trusting Him most. And if you want to release generational blessing in your family, I think you should do it in faith and make a commitment to God. Let me show you Caleb's family because I don't know if you're at the place yet where you're thinking about your kids and your grandkids, but you should be at some point soon. But look at the faith of Caleb and how it played out in his family. Let's look at Joshua 15 and 14. So Caleb was 85 and he went to battle and he drove out all the inhabitants of the land to get his piece of ground that Moses promised him and God promised him. Joshua 15, 14. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai, Ahanam, Talmai, the descendants of Anak. 
he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir. Now the name of Debir formerly was kirath Sefer, and Caleb said, whoever strikes kirath Sefer and captures it to whom will I give Asak my daughter as a wife? And Othniel, son of Kenaz, brother of Caleb, captured it. He gave it to Achah, the daughter of, okay, 18. When she came to him, his daughter, when Caleb's daughter came to him after he gave his daughter as a wife, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. I saw how God blessed you. I saw what faith looked like in your life. And now it lives in me. And she said, I want to be a part of the blessing too. And Caleb said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And this is the inheritance of the tribe, the people of Judah. Understand something. What you do in a faith commitment before God as the church, and if you don't want to give, do not give. I'm speaking to the church today, those that have a sense of deep awareness of the importance of the, the message of Jesus in this community. Um, if you'll act in faith, it will affect the generations that follow you. Don't take it lightly, okay? Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.